Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby. Let's join Mike and Kentucky Dave as they strive to be informative, entertaining, and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Episode 95, the last one before the National Convention, man. I cannot wait, man. And we got a guest tonight, Mr. Panzermeister36, Evan McCallum. Evan, how's it going? It is going very well in my last minute rush to finish stuff for the Nationals. I am super excited. Well, I guess you can add that to what's up in your model sphere, because we're going to start with you tonight. Oh, so my model sphere right now is... Turned up to 11 because I've got a couple of projects that I want to have finished for the Nationals as I'm doing a weathering presentation. And we're recording this on a Monday night. So exactly one week from now, I should be on final approach to, to land in Kentucky there. So I've got to get this stuff finished up this week. Um, and we can we can get more in this on, on my uh, benchtop halftime report. Yeah, I've got a couple of projects here. I'm just flying along, taking photos from my presentation and and having a good time, of course. It's modeling, right? It's fun, but it's a, it's a bit of a speed run, I guess. <laughs> Tell the people the insane decision that you made as to how you're getting to the Nationals. So I'm willingly, well, actually, I'm driving over the U.S. border, first of all, because flying within the U.S. is almost one-third the price as if I flew international from Canada. So I'm driving to Syracuse, New York, three hours, and I'm taking a two two-hour flights and i'm actually landing in kentucky so i can take a road trip with you guys for 15 hours to texas <laughs> now i could have i could have taken the direct flight to texas but that cost you know a couple dollars more and also i'm looking forward to a nice long road trip as well it'll be cool to see the the western states from the from the from the ground rather than from the air i guess <laughs> you're a brave man this episode is kind of a cheap omelet man it's pretty scrambled up so uh <laughs> um, I, I, I think, uh, we were going to drop that segment. So why don't you go ahead and just tell us what you're working on? So I have got a Jagdpanzer four that I was working on with a buddy build with my good friend, Hamilcar Barkas, who gave you guys some good listener mail last episode. So I'm finishing the weathering on that tonight and tomorrow, hopefully. And I'm also photographing the process and there'll be a step-by-step on that well, during my weathering presentation at the nationals. And I also have a... Panhard 178, which uh, was a secret project that Kentucky Dave leaked last episode. <laughs> I should have had an NDA, I guess. Yes. Lawyers, right? That's right. <laughs> so that's something I'm working on as well. I, I put that together like a month ago. I just realized I have to have something else for my presentation. So I just threw together that kit, put a bunch of resin into it as well because it was a fun project. And now I'm also finishing weathering that for some looks at some different techniques during the presentation as well. That thing is... Not nearly as far along as I would like it to be, but I have one week. <laughs> so uh, we will see. And I hope to bring that one and, and enter it in the competition as well. well I can't That's wait. That's a lot. I, I, yeah, it's a lot for one week, but you know, I don't need to sleep, right? Yeah, no. Uh, I don't know. Sleep you sleep is, in the car. Right. Sleep is, <laughs> sleep is for old people. <laughs> well, Dave, you been sleeping then? Uh, you know, too much because my model's not done yet. I'll talk about what's in my model sphere in a second, but uh, 
I can give the listeners uh, the listeners a peek behind the curtain. Uh, Mike came into Louisville on Saturday with his son, and we had lunch. And everybody knows I'm always fired up for the Nationals. You know, it's the best four days of my year every year. I enjoy it, etc. I got to say, Mike, I have never seen you so fired up for Nationals. This is going to be an enjoyable, enjoyable experience. I hope so. My model sphere is me trying to get this F8 done. I am buzzed about the Nationals. I've had my suitcase half packed for a week. And we're still a week away from the from the show. <laughs> now it's all down to last minute coordination, double check and make sure the I've already got the confirmation on the room reservation, but I want to double check that. And then Evan and I were actually talking about uh, uh, what T-shirts we were bringing to the Nationals to wear. So just all those little things that go into a National, and I'm really anticipating it this time. I can't wait. So how about you, Mike? Other than getting uh, super extra excited, you know, actually, I was just talking to Bruce Worrell a little bit just a few seconds ago on uh, Facebook Messenger, and he asked me if I had anything to take. And uh, unfortunately, I've had a very poor, productive uh, year this year. School year is tough. I, I've made a lot of progress on several projects, but I haven't gotten anything done. Um, right. Though though I am telling you, I'm, I'm tempted to take, take the E16 and the Catapult and uh, let some people see it. I, I think you should. I really think it's real. Well, hell, you could almost enter that catapult. No, it's not done. Well, you could do that. That's what Dave did for HeritageCon. He brought his entry, but he didn't enter it. Yeah, I didn't get it. Well, (laughs) in that one, it came apart on the way up or when I I was packing it. So, which, by the way, I still have to repair. God, I got a lot of stuff to do. I I may do that. But other than that, you know, I don't have an an entries this year. Hopefully, though, I'm staged to have at least two next, next year, but. Um, I'm not going to commit like you do, Dave. <laughs> well, I am actually bringing something to enter, so or at least cool. one thing and maybe more. All right. That's my model sphere, getting right. stoked for the show and uh, making sure our ducks in a row so we can uh, have a good trip. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Because we're recording. You got to have a modeling fluid. Let's start with Evan. Evan, what kind of modeling fluid do we have? So in honor of my, my two co-hosts here, I got some... Southern Comfort. No, I'm just joking. I, I, <laughs> I'm taking a road trip with you guys. I don't want to be disappeared. Yeah. I have got <laughs> I have got White Rose Mexican Lime Ranch Water. Maybe this is a little bit along the lines of Texas, we could say, but uh, this is a tequila and lime soda. And we've been talking recently about how apparently I'm the only one who likes tequila. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of the few... Uh, alcoholic hard liquors yeah hard liquors that that i enjoy because it usually i can't really taste the flavor beyond the burn because i guess my palate isn't advanced enough yet but with tequila i find it has a nice taste so this is in a can five percent abv it's just a, a blue agave tequila mexican lime soda it's it's good i've had it before it's a nice light beverage more something i think you would probably sip on a porch i like it so mike what are you drinking uh i'm drinking the uh and I think my spaceship knows which way to go. Double India Pale Ale from Trip Tick that uh, you brought me. Yes, that was uh, Tommy Choi brought it to us. Well, thanks, Tommy. It's uh, we'll talk about it at the end, but uh, I- I'm I'm drinking it finally. Yeah, and I enjoy it. Now this one, okay. I know I'm going to catch some heck for this one, but I'm drinking Cider Boys 
Peach Country Apple Peach Hard Cider. 5% ABV. It is. Peach is the, is the thing that they're adding to all the flavored beers this year. And, okay, I fell for it, and I got it, and I'm going to drink it, and I'll let you know how it turns out. That sounds like a me beverage. Yeah, I was going to say. sweet cider. <laughs> I, may, I may pack one of these for you. Peach thing's kind of interesting. The that cold snap back in December decimated a lot of the, this year's peach. Peach, yeah, it did. peach crop. So, guess you have to have peach beer instead. Yep, it's not bad though. <laughs> well, is that it? That's what you're drinking. That's Nothing what I'm else. drinking. <laughs> you only got. <laughs> go, one yeah, one, you only got one I'm, mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too. Fi- I'm not. I'm not doing uh, uh, two fisting. No, no way. All right. Well, we got a little bit of listener mail. We should probably get into that. Yep. Let's do it. Well, we got a nice little reply. I guess it was uh, from the wheel. We had one about overthinking. Yes. Yeah. Well, Paul Buzzick wrote in and uh, he liked the response. He, he, get, he gets this kind of response every time he says like he's doing one of his techniques, like where he scribes panel lines directly into the paint. Yeah. And the universal response is, well, what if I make a mistake? And he says, here's a unique concept. Don't make a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes on, though. It's not quite as flippant as as it might sound, just without any context. If your first thought is you're going to make a mistake, how are you ever going to evolve? If you see something you like, it's better to shift your perspective and say to yourself, I like that. I'm going to learn how to do it. If he can do it, I can do it. I just need practice. Now they're not mistakes. It's just practice. Yep. I like that attitude. That's a good attitude. Recently, I've been finding myself a lot more hesitant to not only try new effects, but do things I've done before because I'm worried I'm going to mess them up and I'm trying to you know, make a video or something. And then whenever I get around to doing it, it always works perfectly fine. So you just got to have a little more confidence. And usually it goes fine. And I mean, most of the time when uh, something goes wrong, it's not the end of the world. I mean, there are some some build enders, but yeah. Yeah, we've all had those. Well, and, and the truth is... Mm-hmm. 95% of the things you worry about never happen. And the other 5% worrying about it didn't make any difference. Yeah. So up next, uh, who we got? Mark Duramus often contributing. And he's going all the way back to our uh, stump the airbrush chump. And he's finally gotten around to f- fixing uh, three air valves he's been having trouble with. So. He's got a fleet of airbrushes like you do, Dave, oh. apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 there for you, man. I feel it. Uh the first one, uh, he took it apart, couldn't find anything wrong with it, put it back together, and it worked. Yep. Oh, that's that's never happened to me. Oh god, that <laughs> absolutely absolutely that happens all the time. Yeah, you didn't see the offending chunk of whatever fall out right. of there when you took it apart. Yeah. Yep. That's probably what happened. Uh, the second one, he knows there's no ring to jump the groove and it's not in place to seal the opening. So that was a quick fix. Uh, the third one tore it down, rebuilt it. Still has a small leak when he tried it. Not sure on that one, but uh, anyway, he appreciates the uh, inspiration there to work on his airbrushes. Yeah. Get them well, get them tuned up. And you know what? That sometimes is a thing I'll do if I come down to the bench and either I don't have time or motivation to work on something big. Once or twice a year, I'll tear the airbrushes down and give them all a really good cleaning. Even if they're all working, I'll give them all a good cleaning just to get them tuned up. And the other thing I'd say is if if your airbrush is a badger, 
you can mail it to them with a check for like $12 and they will rehab your brush completely, get it back into as, as from the factory condition and mail it back to you. And you can do that once a year. And it's a, it's a great service. Maybe I should do that. Yeah. What are you painting with? I've got a Badger a Renegade Chrome I use for most of my work. And I also have a Badger One of Patriot I use for heavier primers and stuff. And I like them, but I'm not exactly the best at maintaining my airbrushes. And generally, if there's a problem, I just keep tearing it apart and flooding it with lacquer thinner until it starts working. <laughs> well, you ought to. I highly recommend if you get to a period where you know you're not going to need them for a couple of weeks. Now, I, I don't know what the deal is in Canada. But in yeah. the U.S., you can mail them to them with a check. for. It's on their website. Go to their website, and it tells you. And you mail it to them with a check. And, you know, it takes two or three weeks. But all of a sudden, one day, you'll open up your mailbox, and there will be a box from Badger with your airbrushes in it. And you can send more than one. And they'll rehab them and send them back. Next is uh, Willie Garcia. He's our German-Irish-Spanish friend. Yes. He's... Uh, Wanting to know, he's got a project going on. He's uh, a what-if diorama with a Sukhoi 27K. Okay. And he's wanting to know, are there any refueling tankers that be used by Ukrainian jets in 48 scale? Um, uh, my first thought is no, because that's a small airspace. Yeah, and small think, enough. Uh, any, anywhere that they need to be active, um, that's a, a, a matter of minutes in most most places. Yeah. So I don't think they're probably using a tanker. Okay. The Ukrainians have IL-76s. I do not know if they have the refueling variant of the IL-76 or pods that they can hang off a generic IL-76. My inclination is that Mike is correct, that Ukraine is slightly smaller than the state of Texas. And therefore, in general, you don't need aerial refueling, uh, you know, for at least in the combat uh, that they're currently experiencing. Now, whether yeah, they... I mean, I know there's nobody flying cap over there. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's right. It's one of the problems. <laughs> and they're, they're not like a force projection kind of army either, or yeah. military, so... Yep. They're not flying their jets halfway around the world, get them refilled, and then put, putting them in a theater. Yep. There are only a few countries that can do that. Well, just from outside Brisbane, Australia, is uh, Roger Newman. And he would like a little clarification, if you can give it, Dave. He's trying to uh, get involved with IPMS Australia. Mm-hmm. You always acknowledge the, uh, the national organizations in a few spots every time you do your pitch. He says when he searches IPMS Australia, it appears there's a group in Melbourne, that area, and then uh, there's an IPMS Queensland and IPMS New South Wales. And I'm not sure, and I don't know if you are either, how the IPMS is structured over, now, structured over there. But I know that they've uh, the the umbrella, the total Australian IPMS umbrella, that you know their primary organization right. is just going through some. Changes. Restructuring and changes. So, yes. I'll tell you what, what you need to do is reach out to Dave Goldfinch at On the Bench because IPMS Australia is undergoing some sort of restructuring where the charter to the current 
or what was the IPMS Australia branch is being rejiggered, reconfigured, and possibly given to a new version or a different group of individuals. So it's all in flux. I only hear about it sparingly. Your point of contact for that would be the podfather himself, Dave Goldfinch at On the Bench. Just read out, reach out to him at onthebench64 at gmail.com. And uh, I'm sure that he can answer all your questions, let you know what the current status is and, and what's developing. And then finally, from the email side of things, Dave, from uh, New York City, our good friend, Michael Karnauka. Oh, he's got a question. He's got a question for us. All right. Curious to get Evan's take on this one, too, because things have been happening fast in the the model industry in the last. All right. Which model company, mainstream or aftermarket, small cottage industry, whatever, seems to have taken a few steps backwards since they started the hobby? Or since you started the hobby or been, you know, been uh, cognizant of things out there with your observations. Yeah, I've got an answer for that one. <laughs> I'm sure it's the same as yours, Mike. <laughs> I know what he's going to say. Go ahead. That would be Dragon Models, at least in our 135th <laughs> scale armor. And they also do 72nd scale and such. But Dragon Models, around the time I started getting serious in the hobby, was arguably the top of the line for 135th scale armor. They had all the all the popular subjects, which is basically meaning all the German heavy tanks from World War II. And they had like, you know, the best detail. They had all the photo etch. They had great quality decals, best quality of molding. And they had the individual like tracks and everything. This is, I don't know, the, I, I call this maybe 20, maybe 2005 to 2010. They were top of the line. If you wanted a good kit, you went with them. But then after about, I think, 2012 or 2015 or so, they have not released a new kit. As far as I understand it, uh, basically they lost their entire design team, which then went off and formed companies like Border Model, uh, Meng, Tacom, Ryfield Model and such. All the all the designers basically went away and all that happens is they just keep repopping uh, existing kits and they might put a a sprue that's already been existing into another kit to make a new version, or some of their new stuff has only 3d printed components for the new detail parts. So they're basically a dead company. They just keep re-releasing the old stuff whenever they get a run at a factory, but, and also their prices keep going up and up and up, even though they are still 10 years behind the curve now in terms of the quality of their kits. Well, I can't disagree with that, but it's, that's not exactly mine, but uh, okay, I'll let go Dave go next. Oh, okay. Now you go. Uh, well, I, the the one that jumps out to me is Monogram, which basically exists as a name and nothing really much more now. Whereas back in the 80s, Monogram was a, well, it wasn't uh, Tamir Hasegawa. It was a very viable competitive model company releasing every year or two one or two really interesting kits and they just i think it's probably the story of manufacturing in america generally that it just got overtaken by everything elsewhere in the world where it could be done less expensively and there was plenty of talent and there was little motivation to continue to do it in the united states and it just 
shriveled up until it ultimately ended up disappearing as anything other than a nameplate. Are they even a nameplate anymore? Uh, you, I, 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 th- I think uh, all their kits are now rolled into a Ravel brand. They are, uh, but I don't know. I assume that when the last business ending occurred, that that nameplate probably got sold off to somebody. It has certain value as an IP alone, and I'll bet you somebody bought it. And I would love if anybody out there knows the the current status on on Monogram. I would love to know. And then, you know, to your whole point, the fact that I don't know one way or the other is a testament to the exactly. fact not what they used to be anymore. Not what they used to be. Well, I'm going to agree with Michael here. It's a Larry. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. And this is coming at it um, specifically from the armor kit side. When I got into modeling in the, in the 80s, it's a Larry's like Panzer IVs were like valued way more than Tamiya's. Yeah. And they're often talked about with about their you know their finesse of detail and 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 all that their complexity and even before that um i i guess kind of set the set the tone for itillary getting into that genre was they inherited all the the old max soft skin kits yeah that had been sold under the peerless name yeah peerless max but i think the the original japanese company was just max and it was all the uh, three-quarter ton Dodge variants, you know, the weapons carrier, the staff car, the ambulance, all that stuff. Yep. Those kits were arguably ahead of their time, really, uh, as far as fidelity of detail and, and just detail in general. Finesse, all, all that. So, Italy got all those. I think even Airfix sold them in England for a while. But anyway, Italy ended up with them, and they're, they're still part of their core line, those kits. But, man, in like the 90s, they started coming out with these like tiger tanks and Panthers and just seemed really slapdash. Mm-hmm. Just really not even as good as the kits they'd sold from a decade earlier. And then I, now, you know, they've come out with maybe two or three, I think they're, they're all Italian tanks mm-hmm. that they've, they've done kind of in the modern era. And I, I don't even know how good they are that it's, it's uh, the stuff from the nineties kind of poisoned the well for me that I've not even, I'd really have to give those a hard look before I would even consider going there, probably. Well, and the other thing is the prices on Etelary kits, which were yeah. never cheap, have just went insane in the 2000s. Don't understand it. So I don't either. Aircraft, I don't know. I guess we'll see uh, how good that the Mach-E MC-202 is. Yeah, so that 30-second <laughs> scale kit. I, yeah. I, I, I will be... I will be very interested to see how good it is, and I'll be interested to see what what they are what they actually sell it for. All right, Dave. I think that is it for for the email proper. Have you got anything off Facebook Messenger? We've got a few over from Facebook Messenger. We were contacted by a modeler named Neil Gilborn. I think it's the way you pronounce it. Neil had. Sent us a picture of uh, a one twelfth scale Bentley picture of that, along with the uh, Hobgoblin stout that he was drinking. We were talking about what he's building and and what he is enjoying about modeling. He's fifty five years old. He loved Star Wars as a kid, so he he said back in the hobby. He got attracted back to the Star Wars kits. He likes real space and was interested in all of the new real space space stuff. 
And one of the things he he said he liked about our podcast was that we talk about the whole range of subjects. We're not focused on armor or aircraft or just cars or whatever. And that that we kind of talk about it the all of the the different subject matters. So uh, it was very it was a very nice uh, back and forth with him. Our friend Michael Libero reached out because he wanted us to remind people that up in Massachusetts, October 1st at the Hudson Elk Lodge in Hudson, Massachusetts, the IPMS Patriot chapter is putting on a invitational model show. And so he asked us if we wouldn't mind giving that a shout out. And of course, we don't. So if if you're planning your fall campaign and you're up in the Northeast, take a look at that one, and we'll probably remind people again as we get closer to that show. On a slightly related subject, Bob Smith reached out. He lives in Ithaca, New York, hour and 15 minutes outside of Ithaca. Ithaca's the nearest IPMS club, and he was trying to think about how to start an IPMS chapter. And frankly, that's one of the things that we uh, on the e-board are working on, is trying to provide a set of tools for somebody who doesn't belong to a club, doesn't have a club really close by, tools for starting a club and finding modelers near you, be they IPMS members or not. And so um, he reached out to us and I've got to interact some more with him and also talk with the e-board and see what we can do to assist in starting a new chapter because that's uh that's one of the best things for getting modelers together having a club locally is something that will really help most people's modeling experience so for people who don't have that option we want to try and and get them that option and finally uh, and this just happened today uh, it's coincidental because you mentioned it uh, this weekend, Chris Doppler tried to go to Ed Tackett's website and it wasn't functioning. You had had the same experience this weekend. So we're reaching out to Ed to try and figure out what's going on and we will provide people an update when we get a little more information. But if that happens to you, don't be surprised because right now it doesn't seem to be working. Well, that's it, Dave. We're going to put out a little solicitation here if you want to talk to the show, you can do so by emailing us at plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com or direct messages through the Facebook uh, Messenger. Uh, one thing we're trying to, to get some help with, folks, is we've got a 100th episode coming up here. We're on 95, so we got five to go or four to go. Then the one after that will be B100. And we really want to populate the Wheel of Accidental Wisdom one more time because we are going to have another call-in show where folks will be able to call in via a computer link that we'll provide at the time of the, or just ahead of the show time. And uh, we're just looking for more 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 questions for the wheel so we have so we can get lots of participation. You can do that. Uh, we've already got a couple from uh, Jonathan Bryan out of Corridon, UK, has, has sent us one, and uh, Adam Greenwald has also sent us one here recently in the last listener mailbag. And uh, please. Just keep them coming, and uh, we got some time out ahead of us. I think that's going to hit uh, probably in September, if my math is right. We just really need to get that wheel populated because we really ran through them last time. Yes, we did.
This is the point in the episode where I ask you, if you haven't done so already, please go and rate Plastic Model Mojo Podcast on whatever podcast app you listen on. It's becoming more and more apparent to Mike and I how important that is. We'd appreciate if you give us five stars. It really does do a lot to drive our visibility. So if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podcast Addict, please, if you haven't done so already, please go give us a rating. We'd like you to give us five stars. And also... As I say, the best way for us to continue to grow, and we, amazingly enough, are continuing to grow, uh, we're getting new listeners all the time. And one of the ways we do that is current listeners going out and telling their modeling buddies, particularly ones who don't listen to podcasts at all, maybe a little bit technically challenged. Even most of the technically challenged folks have a cell phone now. Uh, and if you can help them out by leading them to the podcast and get them listening, we'd appreciate it. It's real helpful for us. In addition to that, please check out all the other podcasts in the model sphere. You can do that by going to www.modelpodcasts.com. That's model podcast plural. It's a consortium website set up with help of Stuart Clark up in Canada from uh, Scale Model Podcast. And he's aggregated all the uh, banners for all the other podcasts who are participating in the spirit of cross promotion with us. So you can go there and check out the podcast. Uh, we got a lot of blog and YouTube friends out there in the model sphere as well. We got Mr. Jim Bates at a Scale Canadian TV, Chris Wallace, a model airplane maker. Stephen Lee, a sprue pie with frets, and uh, Jeff Groves, the inch high guy. I wish he was coming to Nats. I wish he was too. He, well, <laughs> he, I'm already working for him on him for Madison, and he is coming to our regional. And we can't forget you, Evan, Panzermeister 36. Why don't you give us uh, the elevator spiel on what might be happening in the, in the coming months? Well, I have a couple of videos planned. I'm working on a Panzer three in North Africa, tropical camouflage pattern which is pretty cool i also have a video which should release saturday so the day after this drops which will be discussing uh some recent 3d printed acquisitions i've got which might be topical for later in this episode and i have a panzer four and i also have the panhard and i have a billion other projects that are slowly progressing because <laughs> i'm a very methodical builder i'm not slow i am methodical <laughs> there you so, go so a lot of projects in the works, but there will be a bunch of cool weathering and build videos soon on some topics once I get around to having some time to make some thumbnails and edit and such. But right now I'm focused on getting stuff done for Nats. Yeah. How many how many videos do you typically have going at any one time? Three, maybe. Okay. Because I like to have one thing I'm building, one thing I'm weathering, and maybe another thing at least... So I because sometimes you're in a build mood that night, sometimes you're in a painting mood, sometimes you're in a weathering mood. So I like to have something that's always possibly of interest that evening kind of situation, I guess. I'll be interested when we're riding down to Texas talking to you about how you, how you arrange and handle your video stuff, because that's, that's a real interesting subject to me. So I'm looking forward to your dropping one Saturday. Finally... This is where I would ask if you're not a member of IPMS USA that you join. If you're not a member of IPMS Canada, please, jo please join IPMS Canada. Uh, whatever national organization is your particular country, please search out and find your national IPMS organization and join them. 
They're a good group of people who are giving up some of their modeling time to make everybody's modeling experience better. Additionally, right now, voting for IPMS elections and for changes to the bylaws are currently running. So if you're an IPMS USA member, please go to the website and please vote both in the election and for the bylaw changes, yes or no, on the bylaw changes and then vote. Unfortunately, as far as the election goes, we've got all of the people running unopposed, which frankly is not ideal. So while this time I'd ask you to vote for the people who are running, uh, I'd ask you to consider in the future running yourself. Or if you know somebody you think would be a good addition, getting them to run. Well, let's stop here, Dave, and have a word from our sponsor. You got it. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder Steenbeck airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. It's the final come and make it in Texas, Dave and Evan. <laughs> this is the small number. Uh, at the time of this recording, we are nine days from the IPMS <laughs> National Convention. <laughs> It's killing me, man. It's about eight too many. Yes, it is. <laughs> Single digits now. Yeah. <laughs> what we've done for this episode is uh, a little earlier in the week, we had a chat with uh, Agent 003, Brandon Jacob. And folks may have, well, they've heard his updates on this show. And uh, he's been uh, posting quite a bit to the Nats 2023 Facebook group or page, whichever it is. And yep. uh, with a lot of the same information after, after we air it and they'll put it on there too. But, uh, uh, we talked to him a few days ago and got his, uh, top picks on quite a few things you might wish to take in during your time down there. So, uh, let's have a listen. Well, Dave, the, uh, the date is upon us. IPMS national convention in San Marcos, Texas is, uh, knocking on the door and uh, we have with us tonight Mojovian Special Agent 003, Mr. Brandon Jacob, to give, uh, I guess, his lucky seven, his top picks for uh, the extracurriculars at the IPMS National Convention for folks who want to get out there and experience a little bit more of what uh, Texas has to offer. Brandon, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very good. How are you guys doing? Uh, it's great. not as hot. It's not as hot as it is there. Today's been pretty, pretty pleasant, but we're ready to, we're ready to experience the heat. Well, you're, you're coming to the right place. <laughs> we're, we're in the thick of it, that's for sure. I tell you, for the last several months and last several episodes, you've been uh, feeding us uh, some information about uh, the San Marcos area and uh, the things that Dave and I like to try to push is to not twiddle your thumbs at the convention site the entire time there's a there's a world out there to experience and you may not be in this geography ever again in your entire life and uh, this is an opportunity to get out there and uh, take in a little local fare a little local drink a little local establishment and you've just done a stellar job of feeding us places that we might want to consider going and i guess you've distilled that down into your top picks tonight and uh, we're gonna sum up this uh this lead up to the nats with the uh, what you're what you're going to recommend for us let's do it you know it's funny when when we started doing this one of the reasons i thought it might make sense is that the convention 
center in San Marcos is, is really nice and everybody's going to be impressed, but it it's just 10 minutes out of some really cool areas. And like, I was afraid that people were going to come from Kentucky or Canada or wherever and like, uh, wow, San Marcos was basically a convention center on I-35 and I wound up eating at Texas Roadhouse or something. And that, and that's not <laughs> what we want people to do. No, not at all. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's part, that's part of the strategy behind this thing, right? The whole time is like what, you know, most, some people might not go out except for one night, a, a lunch and a dinner. So let's let's try to give them something decent. Make it count. You got it, man. You got it. And, you know, I got to caveat something. You know, I don't live in San Marcos. I have family that's lived in San Marcos for 40 years. I spent a lot of time in San Marcos, but I certainly, you know, haven't gone to every establishment in San Marcos. So just because like it's not mentioned, you know, on our podcast or or what have you, it doesn't doesn't mean it's not a good restaurant. I, and I, I've never like went into a place during during my little field studies, if you will, and like walked out saying, wow, that sucked. I, I better not tell Mike and Dave about this place. Um, <laughs> but there are there were some places that, you know, wow, if I was driving all the way from Kentucky, I I I might or might not want to eat there, but anyway. So, just caveat: there's a lot of places that uh, that exist in, in in the San Marcos area that may or may not have been mentioned. All right. Well, where you want to start, man? Oh, the floor is yours. All right. Well, let, let let's first talk about the heat. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's not on the top seven, but it, it's uh, it's something worthy of talking about. Um, it's hot, and this summer has been like dry hot, over a hundred. And I thought, what could I do to like give give someone like like a some encouragement? And like just keep in mind that you could divide a Texas day in four parts, right? No matter how hot it's gonna get, the mornings are still actually kind of nice, right? From dawn till about ten, you know, it's okay. Afternoon, avoid. Right? From one one till four thirty, if you feel your life is moving like too fast in front of your your eyes. Spend an afternoon outside right now, and it'll feel like the longest day of your life. <laughs> um, it, it just seems to get longer and hotter. But then, phase three is like four thirty five when the heat breaks. And 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 let me be clear on that. That doesn't mean it gets cool, right? Like that just means like it's not going to get any hotter today. Right? But it's it's actually nice when that happens and then finally like like right about you know eight o'clock seven thirty eight i don't care how hot it is in the day it's beautiful i it, and and i encourage people to you know maybe look forward to being out at that time when they're in san marcus step out go to a outside establishment have a beer and it, it's absolutely beautiful it's still warm but it's 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 really nice so brandon when i went to the ipms Nationals in 2000 in Dallas, it was 109 degrees. So I'm ready for it. I'm not sure you're going to see 109. So you might you might even feel it like like it's a cool. You're down here during a cool snap. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'm going to go that far. No. So so where should we go? Okay. Um, during the podcast, I mentioned several places, but I kept going back to two specific areas. Um, one is the square in San Marcos. 
um, and we covered off on a lot of places that exist on the square. We talked about the tap room and the front porch, which is like a sister bar pub kind of place. Uh, Zellick's Ice House did not mention Gill's Broil Burger, but that exists on, on the square. And also the Root Cellar Cafe. I guess my point is, if I was like, wow, I don't want to go far from the convention, but I want something local and I want it to be really nice and but not stupidly priced. The square in San Marcos, it's a 10 minute, my God, you could Uber from the from the convention center. It's that close. And I think that's really nice because attendees could, you know, get a beer at the tap room and then stroll over and have a cigar at the cigar vault and then and then eat eat somewhere else because there's many places again several several places that I I didn't mention on the podcast but but exist. So if anybody's listening out there just remember San Marcos the square. That's all you have to remember and and people it's it's a known you know known area get there. The next is green which is just a little bit further. It's it's actually on the Guadalupe River. It's an old town. I think we talked about it on on one of the episodes. It's it's spell green. Oh man, G R U E N E, and it's it's really what is it? Fifteen minutes away, and it's kind of connected to New Braunfels. People are going to hear the term New Braunfels, which is a sister city to San Marcos, but it's, its own little, for lack of better terms, a village. And it's it's a tourist destination, and it, the anchor point of Green Texas is Green Hall, which which is considered the oldest operating dance hall in the in entire state of Texas. And and although the Alamo gets a lot of like like props as far as the place to go when you're in Texas, Green Hall to Texans is a pretty special place. Um, they have live music, and I'm not you know you don't necessarily have to go and put on a cowboy hat and and listen to a a band that night, but it, it's certainly something to understand is there. And then, you know, right next door is the Green Grove. And of course, the good ones speak easy on the, in the basement of the, the Green Grove. It just could make a really good evening for attendees to say, hey, let's go on down to Green at seven o'clock at night and walk around and see some things. There's a Cantina del Rio Mexican restaurant. And of course, the, the gristmill restaurant right there on the Guadalupe River. You couldn't go wrong. You could not go wrong with making that an e- evening on uh, on one of those nights. Once we get once we get to San Marcos, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to plan. We're gonna shuffle the deck and figure out where we're going because uh, yeah. we ain't, we ain't hanging around the hotel all night. No. So what's ne- <laughs> what's what's next? In between Green Texas and the uh, San Marcos Square is the the Riley's Tavern. That if you remember, we talked about one episode. And Riley's Tavern uh, holds the, uh, and they're very proud of it, the uh, Texas Beer License Number One. And Riley's Tavern is like there's nothing else around it. It's kind of like in the middle of nowhere, yet it's seven minutes from the convention center. And it's a real Texas saloon, if you will. That man, I just, I just think that like that would be some place that if you were not talking to a local. Um, you wouldn't know is there, but it's like kind of a really friendly, like, hey, we're from Kentucky and we're coming in here. We'll sit down and have a beer and uh, friendly, friendly place. It's not, you know, you might not, you might not make it like, like a, an all nighter there, 
but at the same token, you might have a beer and then go on down to green or have a beer and then go on down to the, the square to eat dinner or, or vice versa, right, on the way back. So we can take a 20-something-year-old Canadian kid in there and uh, – He'll be okay. Not going to end up like the Blues Brothers? No, <laughs> man. Like, 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 <laughs> nobody's throwing beer bottles. Um, you know, at, at first glance, like you, you, when you pull up, you would, you might think that, right? I mean, because it's authentic, right? Um, but like the times I've been in there, it's just, it's really, it's your typical Texas. I don't know. Some people would call it die bar, but that's an insult. In fact, if you went in there in a day, there'd be kids in there, right? Like, like parents would bring kids in the beer garden, that kind of thing. It's just, it's just a mellow, mellow place. And the last time we were there, there was actually live music again. So there's live music again. That may or may not be for. Uh, for, for folks who are also trying to squeeze on a model convention, but you know, it, it's, it, it's definitely there. Certainly adds the ambiance. Yep. Absolutely. It's part of the experience. And, and, and they don't serve just beer. I think they also have, or I know they have, um, you know, they're not going to have like top shelf Kentucky whiskey, but you certainly could order a glass of Jack Daniels. I'm sure. <laughs> well, we'll see you when we get there. They All might, right. you never know. All right. Next, um, Fredericksburg and the Fredericksburg area. And we did not go into real deep detail about the Fredericksburg area, but there's a, there's a part of Texas that is not far from San Marcos and, and, you know, attendees could make a day out of it coming or going, you know, the anchor point of uh, Fredericksburg is the, is a, is a Chester Nimitz Pacific war, World War II Pacific war museum. Um, I know that, the guys at Nationals have put together a trip on Thursday, August 3rd to the museum. I'm sure some people will want to take advantage of that and check that out. But I encourage attendees that, you know, might be staying an extra day, coming in a, a day early or staying a day later. Man, that's a hell of a museum. And, and, and when I say a nice museum, they cover off on the Pacific War in, in, in granular detail. So I would encourage that. And then... 15 minutes from Fredericksburg is the infamous Luckenbach, Texas. I, I was looking at a map, and maybe I'm remembering wrong. Is, is that 15 minutes back towards San Marcos, though? That is correct, yes. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's on the way home. Yeah. yeah. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and Luckenbach's cool. I mean, I mean uh, you know, let's go to Luckenbach, Texas. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's a place, and it exists, and people drink beer there, and Waylon, Willie, and the boys. boys. Absolutely. That's, right. that's a place to say you've been, right? <laughs> so that's the Fredericksburg area. Keep that in mind. Uh, the next is, and, and I'll throw out a, a little shameless plug, it's the home of the Winter Blitz Armor Modeling Contest. Oh, certainly. January 20th, 2024. And we'll, we'll be promoting that again in the yeah. coming few months but yeah go ahead thank you um uh, the museum of the american gi and college station it's too far it's about a i think an hour and a half maybe from san marcus but people coming from the east coast if you could manipulate your travels through college station it's a great stop it's not nearly as big as the nimitz museum but for armor guys it packs a very powerful punch i I would say there's 30 plus operational and fully restored uh, armored vehicles and uh you know it might be a nice place as you're heading in oh wow we're an hour and a half away from san marcus and let's stop in college station and spend an hour and a half at the museum of the american gi and check out the, the armor 
Or, you know, if you're in College Station, there's a lot of other things. I mean, it's a George Bush library if you're into that kind of thing. And uh, uh, just College Station is a neat, neat town as well. So American Museum of the American GI and College Station, I, I recommend. Uh, isn't Texas A&M there? Yes, yes. Yep. Go Aggies. Shame on me for not mentioning that because that's where I went to school. But <laughs> it's a cool place. It's a cool town. Last but not least is the barbecue wrap-up. And as, as we've been finalizing all this and talking to a lot of people from San Antonio, Rob Booth and I have been talking, people who live in Austin, you know, at the end of the day, Dave, I know you mentioned Omaha and steak, right? Yep. Barbecue and this area of Texas is, that's what you, that's what you should come for, right? I think it's fair to say that you're in the center point of the barbecue capital of Texas. I'm excited about this. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I like barbecue. Even even when you get away from that area, that central Texas area, like Houston is not, you know, it's good barbecue, but it's just not what it is out there. And and so just keep that in mind. Kind of the three things to remember is Lockhart, Luling, and Seguin. Those are three towns. And those are three towns that if somebody said, I got to get out of this convention for a lunch, they could, it's 25 minutes, each one of those towns. It's just not far. And it's kind of like out in the country, away from everything, these towns are small towns. Luling uh, has, a, has, a, has a place called City Market, which I, I think I've, I've never had a better link and their sauce is beyond good. I mean, this is a great place. I'm not as familiar with what exists in Lockhart, but Lockhart, there are people who claim that's that is the uh, the center point of, of barbecue. You, there's Black Smitty's, Smitty's Market, Kreutz Market, and, and Lockhart, and then Seguin. This is the one that everybody's talking about. I think I think this uh, it's called Burnt Beans in Seguin, Texas. Yeah, uh, Rob Booth is all about this one. Yeah, yeah. He, he is. And as a matter of fact, I talked to Rob. And uh, my wife and I were out in San Marcos like a week ago. So I got to go. I got to go check this place out. And <laughs> we went there, and, and and they were on vacation. Like no, was, yeah, the buzzkill. <laughs> there's no barbecue here today for anybody. And it was like, okay, what do we do now? Well, someone said there's this newer place called Schultz's Pit House, and. So we went over to Schultz's Pit's Hop, Pit House in Seguin, Texas, which is located right off I-10. You can see I-10 from it. And I will say, hands down, that was unbelievably a good experience. I, I, it just was like their sides. And, and, and when you talk to barbecue people, they'll, they'll quickly say, how are the sides? A coleslaw, beans, potato salad. And that really kind of separates the men from the boys in regards to good Texas barbecue and Schultz's pits house is, is certainly something that, you know, I, I personally could recommend uh, having, having literally just uh, enjoyed a, a good, a good dinner there. One caveat on, on Texas barbecue and, and, and the finer craft Texas barbecue is people have to keep in mind that they, they do sell out, right? That's, it's, it's a bit of a, yes, I'm quite familiar with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you did you get burned? Did you get? <laughs> uh, well, you know the quote unquote chain places have trucks bringing crap, you know, and they never run out. Right. Uh, a real independent operated craft place, if you want to call it that, which I would, uh, to be honest. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, the meat's expensive to start with raw, right? Mm-hmm. When they get it. So they're not going to speculate too far down the road as, as how much they're going to serve in an evening or a day. So, um, yeah, if, if you don't get there at a decent time, they're not going to have ribs. They're not going to have brisket. Or the chickens are all going to be gone or whatever, whatever they're doing. Their top menu items are going to be sold out. That's, that's correct. If, you, if you're rolling there at 645... Yeah, you're you're picking over what's left on the menu. Maybe it's not that maybe it's not that early, but you know, I've experienced that early. Yeah, I, I even might even go as far as some of these and I and I can't speak for any of these places in Lilling Lockhart or Seguin, but I've even heard some of these places at the higher end in Austin, um, of course Franklin's barbecue everybody talks about, you know, that like nine AM in the morning they run out. Right? Like people wait <laughs> line overnight. And you know, listen, man. Yeah, nobody, it's getting crazy there. Yeah, yeah I mean, nobody, you got to give a guy a fighting chance to get lunch. Yeah, <laughs> I don't recommend that waiting in line at, at, at six in the morning for my my barber. It can't be that. Nothing could be that good. But um, but uh, yeah. So just keep that in mind that if if somebody was going to say let's run over to Lockhart for barbecue. You know, the earlier it might be a lunch thing. It might be the, the yeah, right thing. You might, better go yeah. early. Uh yes, I fully comprehend what you're doing here, man. It is absolutely the truth. Yeah. And uh to to add my own experience, um I I was born in South Carolina. I was raised in Tennessee and I live in Kentucky. I am a pretty much dyed in the wool southerner. I, I've enjoyed barbecue my entire life from childhood growing growing up i don't have a favorite because south carolina is different than north carolina is different than virginia is different than tennessee is different than georgia alabama mississippi arkansas texas it's all a little bit different you can find a favorite in all those places uh texas is something i've never experienced so i am freaking so stoked to go pick one of these places and double down get some barbecue get some beer and see what this is all about because uh, I really like barbecue. You, you, it, it, it will be different, but it'll be good. And and for the win, like what we did the other day when we were on our like 003 field trip to Seguin, I brought my wife and her sister and her husband. So there was a four of us, and we just ordered big and like kind of did a like at the table a a la carte sample. Does that make sense? Like yes, you know, yep. And you might do that, right? Bring four guys that you're modeling friends and, you know, get get the ribs, get the sausage, get the brisket. And, and just all dive table. in and eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Being in Kentucky now, it's as hard as it is for me to swallow and say this. And as a Texan, you might find this completely foreign and even ridiculous. But uh, in western Kentucky, there's a little town called Owensboro. Oh yeah, moonlight and and Owensboro by somebody's metric is the world is the barbecue capital of the world. Believe it or not, yeah. And uh, the person who told me this, I told them that there are two ways you get to be the barbecue. You get to be the capital of whatever of the world. You either have the best or you have the most. So they must have a whole lot of barbecue in Owensboro, Kentucky, because I guarantee you it's not the best. It's <laughs> uh, Listen, uh, uh, to, de- to defend Kentucky's honor, barbecue in Owensboro is really, really good. But again, the point you made is right. It's different. Kentucky barbecue is different than Kansas City barbecue, different from North Carolina, South Carolina. Everybody puts their own spin on it. So... 
I love going to Owensboro. Looking forward to it. The analogy that I came up with today while I was thinking about this call was some people build in 135th, some people build in 172nd, and some people build in 116th, and it's all good. And that's yep. the way barbecue is. It's all good. <laughs> yep. Well, it's not all good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to a point. To a point. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to I tell you, bad, bad barbecue is like the most disappointing thing ever. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, well, absolutely. and what a great segue, right? Stay the heck out of the chain, right? I mean, yeah, that's you know, right. <laughs> you know, uh, I know, I know. My friend Mike Stucker called in or emailed in to mention Bucky's, right? Like, stop at Bucky's, but if you buy a barbecue sandwich from Bucky's, you know, you get what you deserve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to gaining a few pounds and trying a few places that are local. Because that's that the local color is what does it, what rounds out making a great convention. All right, Brandon, we'll bring us home here, man. All right, let's do it. Let's take you home. So Rob Booth has asked me to fire up some some activity on the um, IPMS Nationals Facebook page. And it may or may not, uh, some of your listeners may or may not, that might be a great thing for people to to join because there's going to be a lot of conversation. There is a lot of conversation going on. Well, I've already seen your posts. Yeah. There's a lot of local people are starting to pitch in and, and mention things that I haven't talked about. So, you know, there's, there's some good, some good dialogue on there. And I, I certainly would encourage Mo Jovians to, to take a look at that. And then, and then final, final in the 003 wrap up, uh, a shout out to my friend Rudy and Danielle at Lionheart Hobby in Kyle, Texas, which is very close to the convention. And I know some people said, "I are we going to go over to Lionheart Hobby? But I know that Rudy and Danielle are basically bringing their hobby shop to Nationals. They're going to have a big setup. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I just, these guys um, support Region 6 and our, and our shows. They, they're at all the shows in a big way. Um, good people. And uh, you know, I just wanted to use this moment to... Uh, just a shout out to Lionheart Hobby and attendees, man. Go in and say hello to Danielle and and Rudy and uh, see uh, see what you can find at their at their their hobby shop in the convention center. Well, I'll double down and, and encourage folks to give them a double look. And if there's anything you can justify from them as a purchase, go for it. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, you're welcome. Can't wait to lift a beer with you in Texas. I'm looking forward to it, man. We're we're fortunate. We could be this excited about something, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. Yes, we are. This one's a little more special than the last two because this one got canceled, and they've had a, a couple extra years to stir up the uh, excitement about it and solidify the attendance and the vendor participation, all that. And I think uh, this is going to be a good one. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. I think so. All right. Well, Brandon, Agent 003, you've done an exemplary job. We appreciate it. We know where we're going to be looking to go for dinner and get a couple of beers or whatever. And uh, it's all been great. And I thank you for playing along for the last, God, it's almost a year now, probably. Yep. Hey, I've had fun, man. I appreciate y'all enter- entertaining my wackiness. And, and I actually learned a few things about San Marcos myself that I didn't know. So I feel fortunate. We're looking forward to seeing you there. When the leaves start turning colors, uh, hit us up again for uh, uh, your show at College Station. Winter Blitz. Will do. Thank you. You're welcome. 
I'm sure we're going to take in some of that stuff. We got to get Evan some good barbecue. Yes. I yep. really want some really good chili. I'm a big fan of chili. So Me I'm too. looking forward to that. We'll, we'll probably find that as well. I tend to eat more of that in the wintertime, but you know, you're only in Texas every now and then if you're not from there. <laughs> well, what broke your wallet? This is a special edition. This is our uh, Nats 2023, what broke your wallet, which is more like uh, what's going to break your wallet. Kind of a Nats vendor room show wish list. Anybody uh, got their eye on anything they hope to pick up while we're in San Marcos? Oh, God. There's so... You know, I do go with usual. I used to go with a long list and I plan meticulously. And I found that in general, what I ended up coming home with bore real little relation to what I was thinking about acquiring while I was there. But there are some things I want to want to uh, want to take a look at buying. I want uh, there's a lot of aftermarket 3D cockpits uh i I want to try and pick up a vargas matilda one it's the stuff that i didn't plan on buying that are usually the things that are that i consider the best purchases at the national something where you walk by the table and it grabs your eye either because it's something unique or it's something that you wanted and it's a really good price I've got, oh, I could pick up another ICM KI-21. There's just bunches of stuff. How about <laughs> you, Evan? What are you looking for? Well, a couple of weeks ago, I went through my whole stash, looked through everything, and I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, I think I've got a pretty good collection here, and uh, there's not really any, anything I'm looking for, and it's complete nonsense because, like you said, when you're at the show, you see things, and you're like, I need that. Yes. I want that, and you've never thought about it before. Uh, specifically, I'm actually uh, on my Scalemates wish list page right now. There's a few projects I've kind of wanted to do for a while, so I, I want to do a proper early Russian BT tank. I actually mm. have an interior set on the way from MR Model Bow for that, so I want to get a Hobby Boss BT. I also have, for a while, wanted to do a, a Dieppe Churchill, Canadian oh, me Churchill too. there. And AFE Club has a, a kit of that that I've been looking for kind of off and on for a while so that might catch my eye and then it is always like you said 3d printed details photo etch there's always stuff there for good prices that you just you just get it for a couple bucks and that's going to serve you maybe in a couple years honestly but it's it's so cheap that you might as well just have it around right well and one of the advantages for mike and i driving both down and back is that unlike some conventions where you've flown in, size is not a limit. Size or weight are not limiting factors. And yeah, so, rub it in, rub it in. <laughs> well, there there are things we can do if you find something where you can haul it back and arrange transfer. It were it's going to work out. So, but it is nice not to have that limitation for this show. So that if I find that DOSWorks U9, which I've been meaning to pick up since they released it two and a half years ago. If I find it for a good price, I'm just going to buy it. I hope he finds it for a good price. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to film it. Yeah, it's going to be in your lap <laughs> on the ride back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if, uh, if there's stuff you find, Evan, that uh, you, you really think is two and three years out, we could always just bring it to HeritageCon next March. Exactly. <laughs> That's true, actually. That'd be a... <laughs> 
That'd be a good idea. I bought stuff at Nats last year that's still in the box, right? I got I bought that Vargas M triple seven, and it's still sitting here. But Evan, I think I've repeated on the show before. I tend to bring stuff home from Nationals and leave it in the suitcase when I get home, and then I unpack the suitcase like <laughs> sixty days later, and it's like Christmas all over again. You get it a second time because you kind of <laughs> forgot some of the things that you bought. I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. So how about you, Mike? Well, Mr. Vargas better have more than one of those Matildas or we're going to have to duke it out, man. Yep. That's one I, I'm after, too. I like that one. It's kind of funky looking with the exposed tracks. and the... Yeah. <sighs> you know, I, I might... I'm I'm I'm, honest, I'm honestly not a fan of the Matilda one as much as I am the Matilda two, but if I see at the table there and both you guys get it, I might have to get one as well. We'll see. Peer pressure. He'll buy the only one, and we we'll have to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He'll buy the only one and leave us hanging. They'll be really glad he's flying home. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> other other than that, I I was I was hoping that the uh, the round two AMT branded thirty second scale Tie Fighter was going to be on the streets by Nats, but I don't think it's going to be. No, I don't so. think so. If it is, eh, maybe be picking up a sci-fi kit. I hope that MC two hundred two is not at the show. <laughs> I just, I hope that thing is not there. I don't think I, it's going to be. I don't need that. <laughs> but you want it. <laughs> but you want it. That's right. And you know, one other thing that I'm looking, probably looking at, is uh, some of those seventy-second scale Vespid armor kits. I came darn close at Heritage Con to buying one or two of those, and. The one thing I regretted when we left Heritage Con was that I didn't pull the trigger on those. So <laughs> if I see if I see them at the Nats, uh, yeah, oh, they'll probably, be there. Somebody will have some. Yeah, somebody will have them, and they're probably coming home with me. Hey, remember our deal? If you build a what was it a seventy second scale armor kit, I I'll build some kind of aircraft or something. Yep. Uh, yep. No problem. I'm I'm going to do that. That, that that's an easy one. Uh, I want to find somebody. I'm hoping Vespid's going to suddenly come out with 70-second scale Stugs. Yes. Because I'd love to do no- nothing better than a 70-second scale Stug, and then you tell me that, no, this 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 particular tie clamp was only on the X-Factory version from 43 to 44 when Hans was there <laughs> eating sausages. Or whatever variation of it that you know. I know you joke, but some of those features, I've got them down to the week they were introduced. <laughs> it helps when they paint the hull numbers on the front of the vehicles, right? Right. But <laughs> yes. By, by the same token, it's amazing that they were making changes that regular. Well, that's, uh, that's just manufacturing. It was just a constant state of either improvement or... Simplification past the simplification, point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Simplification and stopgap, and yeah, you name it. It's just that's just the way it works. Anybody got anything else they're hoping to find? I don't know. I need some. I, I usually buy a tool of some kind. I, I will buy a tool of some kind, and I will. I I can almost guarantee you, if you want to play, if you want the surest bet on the planet, the surest bet on the planet is I'm going to come away from the Nationals with the decal sheet. Not counting the national decal sheet. <laughs> I was about to say, well, that's an easy bet. You're going to get one in your yeah. registra- your registration <laughs> packets. <laughs> an additional one to that. I'm sure you will. So there's actually a couple things I've just realized here. I've been looking for the Bronco uh, Turan or Zrini Hungarian tank and tank destroyer. 
And I also need a proper razor saw for resin parts now that I'm actually getting a little bit serious on resin. So I'm sure there'll be a good tool supplier there for resin. You got to get the one UMM USA. Yeah, UMM's going to be there, and they've got one that's really, I really like. The the JVC saw is really, really good. All right, you point out, I'll pick it up. Okay. In keeping with the theme of the National Convention, another one of our show sponsor and a sponsor of uh, some of the other podcasts out there, out there, Bases by Bill, stopped by for a conversation last this past week as well. We'd hope to talk to them mostly about the show, but it kind of went kind of went free form, and that was good. We learned a lot about their business, and uh, let's hear what the team at Bases by Bill had to say. Dave, in anticipation for the 2023 IPMS National Convention in San Marcos, Texas, we've got uh, one of the vendors there and a sponsor of the show. We've got Bases by Bill, who we're glad to have with us tonight. Yeah. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing these guys down at San Marcos. And I, I can assure you, I will, they will probably lighten my wallet a little bit <laughs> before it's all over. <laughs> Well, well, gentlemen, we first off, let me say we appreciate you being a sponsor of the show. I know you've uh, you sponsored, got some sponsorship with several of our 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 fellow podcasts, which we we all have amicable friendships with, and it's all cool. And we appreciate that your business is in fact recognized this medium as a, a viable option to uh, to advertise your product. So mm-hmm. that said, I'm going to turn to Christian Gurney, who has been my liaison to Bases by Bill and. Uh, Christian, how you doing tonight? And uh, tell me about your team, and uh, let's get some introductions here. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm I'm Christian Gurney. Um, Bases by Bill actually is a family business. Uh, Bill Wiedeward, who the business is named after, is one of the co-founders, along with his son and my nephew, Weston Wiedeward. My mother is Bill's sister. And, um, you know, it's not usual these days to have a family business, but that's what we're doing. I'll just quickly say my role and then turn it over to Bill and Weston. Um, I'm primarily handling the marketing, our internet efforts, and then I also do a lot of work in, in preparing artwork for our lasering and other processes in making the various products that have insignias, unit patches, and things like that. I've been a modeler most of my life, um, but took a big break between college and getting the first kids off to high school and and college. I primarily do 48-scale aircraft, and I am currently active in that. So so let me turn it over now to Weston, uh, our chief engineer, yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, Weston Weedward. I'm the engineer of the group. Basically, uh, any CNC work, uh, 3D printing, original idea of the, the laser engravers, multiple laser engravers we've gone through over the course of this business. <laughs> uh, my role is kind of design new product design, coming up with new efficient ways to make product, kind of coming up with some more uh, of the eccentric side of the business, some, you know, all the way from finials, all the way to display case lighting, you name it, I do it. Degreed mechanical engineer from Milwaukee School of Engineering. I graduated back in 2016. Currently work in fluid power. Uh, that's my professional career. Um, up in Sturgeon Bay right now, but um, 
yeah, primarily the engineer of the group and making new products, coming up with new ideas and going to execute them. So let's take uh, take you to the factory foreman who uh, <laughs> runs the factory at the world headquarters in Waterloo, Wisconsin. We're all based in Wisconsin. We couldn't tell from the accent. And puts his name on it. <laughs> and puts his name on it. <laughs> yes. Somebody's got to do it. I, so I basis by Bill is fine, I guess. Yes, I'm Bill and uh, came up with uh, the idea for bases a while ago. Yeah, I've been a modeler for, for most of my life. Got Wes into it when he was young in a, in a club here in Madison. And uh, I, I don't know, I always loved the woodworking part of it. And, uh, and, and I like modeling too. But boy, I thought, can I do something together? Can I get them... Uh, get them together so i just came up with a rudimentary uh it was a balkan cruise i think I've, I've, i may have told you this story but i glued up pieces different colored pieces of wood in to make a balkan cruise flattened it brought it to a meeting and boy everybody really thought it was something that that, that there might be that there might be something uh, a future with this so from there on just made some I don't know, some ship bases, figure bases, other things. Weston's watching from the sidelines and thought, boy, you know, if we if we got a laser to do some of this stuff, uh, helping us with uh, masks for painting, uh, engraving, I don't name plates, things on there. So we got this tiny laser. It was only a foot by a foot and quickly outgrew that. Then we got a two by two foot one. Well, we outgrew that. And I think the one we have now is, I think it can go 20 by 15 inches, something like that. Much, much more capable than the other ones, much more power than the other little, little desktop kind. That's where it all started. Just all the different things, you know, different ideas. We thought, well, let's just try it. You know, you know, let's make a sample, take it in. Let's make a sample, take it to a show. Uh, early on, we went to a lot of shows. We went to a lot of the shows in, in our area, Illinois. Minnesota, and uh, it got to the point now where we it's it's hard to get away for a, a day or even two to to go to a show. So we just do nationals, and uh, you know we've done. I think our first nationals was Chattanooga, and uh, we went to Vegas and Omaha. Now I think this will be our fourth, and really enjoy it. It's it's uh, people have uh, you know as they, as they've discovered us off of the internet, off of Facebook doing their searches, uh, finding us, giving us examples of things to do, and, and then again, seeing us, uh, seeing you know, us in person, seeing what we do, run, able to run your hands over what, what we have and, and realize that there's, there's quite a bit of different things we can do for, for display to finish up what you have started with, your, with, a, with a beautiful model that you've put all that time and effort in. And... Uh, so yeah, very much looking forward to uh, to San Marcos. A little bit of a drive, not as bad as uh, Vegas. That for us, Vegas was, was <laughs> Vegas going through the canyon there uh, in uh, by Denver and Vale and well, boy, that look, was the Rocky Mountains. That was yeah. I, I had never seen the Rocky Mountains in my life, and that was. <laughs> Yeah, like, where's just, the horizon? Oh, yeah, it's well, all the way up there. Well, we almost saw them in person. There were yeah. a couple rock slides that we had to mm-hmm. wait for. Yeah. And you could see where, I'm telling I, how 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 is how are people not dying from that? Because they just literally took part of the road away. That the, right into the, the Colorado the fence, River. Right into the river. It's just <laughs> yep. like, how are, how are people not dying here? It, it and, happens. Uh, 
with regularity. Oh my lord, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's uh, but anyway, yeah, that was quite a trip. Good show. Um, and yes, yes, we are very much looking for uh, forward to San Marcos. This will be Christian's first time with us with the business. I don't know if he's been to other nationals, but uh, it'll be great having uh, three of us there. And uh, yeah, Christian can check out the vendors and and see what it's all about. Yeah, this this actually will will be my first time. Oh, okay. Not. So oh. I'm looking forward to it for both dimensions. One's <laughs> meeting our customers, and and others is to experience uh, IPMS Nationals. Bill, Wes, while Christian's walking around the show, I want you to take <laughs> lots of pictures of him to show him later, <laughs> to show him how big his eyes are throughout the show. Oh, and his mouth. Bill. Bill, if you don't mind me asking, I, I'm always curious about the back, the business side of the hobby, the back sure. side of the hobby. Mm-hmm. Were you was woodworking a hobby for you, or was it your profession? Uh, no, it, it it was a hobby. You know, back when they used to have industrial arts in high school, I I took all the woodworking classes, uh, some some design work, some for or construction work, and uh, just just fell in love with using the tools the the turning lathe and and planers and and just uh you know you, you got a stack of wood over there you got an idea in your head and you just you just make something you know this idea that well I have to have a design for it I have to get you know somebody's got to do it before me and and it's just no way it's just just go ahead and do it get cut things to fit get your get things lined up finish them up and find out if somebody likes it, somebody enjoys it, and and if not, okay, next one, next thing. I assume that when you took that first base to your first club meeting, sure, that it was in no way in your head that you were going to build a business the size of what you built. I mean, this wasn't a plan, was it? Did it? Or did I, it just develop organically? Or how? certainly not at that time. We were really it was really one dimensional uh, until we got the laser and the 3D printer and uh, the CNC machine. And like like I've always said, there's just there's so much trial and error going on, figuring out where to get a good source of true, really kiln dried cherry at a decent price, and you can rely on it. That was one thing. All the boxes, all the packing material, will this make it, you know, from here to Washington State kind of thing. Right. Uh, just a tremendous amount of trial and error to find out if, 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 you can, if you can do it, you know. Shipping, you know, the other thing when, when we, uh, uh, you know, Wes basically made me, Bill, you know, Dad, you got you to gotta figure out how to make a big display case and make it such that it's, disassemble and and a customer can easily assemble it and we got to be able to ship it there safely and and he kept on me and on me and i thought okay okay all right let's let's do it i think he's right and boy once once we were able to overcome all of that getting again getting boxes big enough uh making sure you could package up the plexiglass to make it and boy that that opened up. Then, then you thought to yourself, somebody just put in an order for a seven hundred dollar Titanic case with lights, you know, and they just paid it. 
yeah. a couple orders like that, and you're you're. I, I was breathless. It was. Uh, it was. <laughs> it it really was. It was. Uh, it was. It was incredible. Great feelings. To go back to Dave's question, though, um, how it kind of started, the first Balkan cruise he made, you know, he took it to the meeting, and we took it, I think, I think it was just slightly before uh, the Mad City Modelers show in March, mm-hmm. and that was like five years ago, I think, four or five years ago. Yeah. And and, and just the re- the reception of the bases, just, and I think he had some plain bases and stuff, just the reception from the club members and then the community at large that attended the show they i mean they had they had wide eyes they're like wow you made that that's incredible and looking back on it i mean this stuff is pretty simple and straightforward compared to the products we make now but really i kind of had the idea and and my dad did too where this is a market that just isn't being filled there's there's you know you got modelers you know who want to have a simple display base, a simple board. Oh yeah, yeah. That you can put your groundwork on, a nameplate, whatever, and they're either having to go buy a, a picture frame at their Michaels or their their craft store, whatever they have, and, and and make it work, or they're making their own kind of a hodgepodge thing. But or versus, even the tr- even the trophy shop can only do so much. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and and, and relying on, you know, everybody sees the stereotypical display base with a, a brass stain plate. I mean, that is that look has been overdone to the nth degree. And we, I, I would say bases by Bill, we, we don't support brass stain plates because we've seen them done <laughs> just a ludicrous amount. But the whole point was is that it was a market that wasn't being fulfilled. It it We understood it, or I believe we understand it pretty darn well because we got a wide variety of, uh, of modeling talent amongst the three of us. And the, I'm telling you, the quality of the bases, I'm, the wood choice, the finishes, the effort my dad goes through to sand it, polyurethane it, sand it again. The wood is incredible. I mean, working with, uh, working with American cherry, walnut, uh, maple at times. We don't do oak, uh, normally. I mean, we can. Uh, but just the quality of the wood, the quality of the finishes, even just a simple base from us, I, 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 I would challenge the competition to make a base as good as his, uh, even just a simple board uh, for the prices he can do it. Um, it's it's truly truly something to behold. Your closing statement there about the prices is, is really gets back to where we first ran into you guys, which was at Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and it was it's interesting because not only would we see your your efforts there for the first time, but uh, we we'd met a lot of the fellow podcasts. Uh, shows out there their their hosts for the first time ever face to face because all this kind of came to a swell during 2020 during the pandemic. Um, uh, amongst us, it was it was a it was a it was a topic of conversation. It was the the quality versus the price position that you guys were offering was was uh, to say that it was thought to be reasonable is an understatement. It, it yeah. was it was it was really we're thinking. We were wondering if you guys were doing this as a charity endeavor. To be honest, <laughs> well, I, I did. I did famously walk up to the folks at Basis by Bill and tell them straight to their face they were undercharging. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I relayed that to Christian. So, 
I mean, we you know, can't. We that, that's that's the thing. We've talked about it. I've gone kind of back and forth with Christian too on it. Where, yeah, we're making money, I guess, on it. I, I don't think we're necessarily, you know, once we start hiring, if we get to the point we start hiring people, we have, you know, prices are going to have to go up to to pay for labor. But until then, you know, uh, you, you know, some of our things, you know, the cases, you know, for a big Titanic case, we want $600. It is worth $600 sure. for us to... You know, uh, other than that, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to give give away a Titanic case right. for no, for two hundred and fifty no. bucks or something. But well, you just discounted it by a hundred dollars. It's a seven hundred dollar case. <laughs> well, that's yeah. with lights. That's the, with lights. The, yeah. That's the lights. So uh, yeah, there's some things. I'm the guy doing them, so I know what what uh, what base requires a lot of retaping and 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 extra work. You have a base that has like six or seven or eight colors on it i'm spraying six or seven or eight colors on it somehow and 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 i'm i i'm hand painting what i what i can't get at so uh, all of that takes a great deal of time boy i just one of i think i told christian the that vt3 base that vindicator base for uh with the dragon on it Boy, I really don't want to ever do one of them again. <laughs> Tr- tremendous amount of taping. Tremendous. And so I'm going to want 40 or 45 bucks for it at least sure. because it took a lot of time. Back to that price uh, price point discussion just a little bit. I mean, some of the products we have to be aggressive on, you know, like a display base, you know, a, you know, just a plain board, uh, you know, plain cherry board, routered, sanded, finished, stained, you know, the whole nine yards. No, no laser engraving. I mean, you have to be somewhat aggressive on it. Um, right. What we found in the modeling community, and, and this is this is not to bash the modeling community at all, um, but modelers are frugal. I mean, modelers <laughs> in general are the type of people, I mean, they're able to build these wonderful, magnificent pieces of art. And it is art, absolutely. Um, you know, they take years in the making to make some of these things. And, and sometimes they're making these things from scratch. So it, it's not... For some, for some of the folks, it's not a massive leap and bound. Okay, I make this beautiful ship. Well, where am I going to put it? I have to put it on something, and, and they have a plan. They have a strategy to to do so. And on a plane base, you have to be aggressive because that is a a, a lower valued item in their minds versus a display case. A display case is a whole different animal. I mean, there's there's a significant amount of work that goes into the cutting. Uh, of the the posts, the the top frame, the bottom frame assembly, and getting the plexiglass, going through all the rigmarole to source it, um, going through the fitment. You know, he, we have a system now where we've we, we've done plenty of them. Get get the fitment right on it, and then make it so it's broken down and shippable. That was the real nightmare with the display case. And make sure that that when the customer gets it, he's not yeah. overwhelmed, and right. and it'd be uh, some sort of saga to get the thing together. But uh, they're pretty straightforward. We have we made a video for it. <laughs> uh, Wes and I, one of the f- very first cases we did for a uh, a couple in New Mexico, they had a Titanic, one of the first Titanics, and we made a walnut case that sat on their mantle, and it had to be a certain size. They had lights. And I thought, boy, okay, here we go. So we pack it all up. We made the video and sent it to them. And boy, they, they got it together. I think they got it together that day once they got it mm-hmm. and thrilled, 
thrilled. So I thought, okay, pass yeah, awesome. <laughs> pass that test. So <laughs> I think Dave, what's really driven there's a couple of turning points. Well, first of all, what we're doing is Wes and I are both full time employed beyond forty hours a week. So there's there's finite amounts of time, effort, and energy that we can devote. Bill has recently retired, and this is the thing that is keeping him healthy and active and giving him longevity. How you scale that's always going to be a challenge. But for us, there's a couple of things that have driven the business. First was the design of the display cases such that they could be shipped in the U.S. and actually even into Europe or Australia. The second was coming up with a marketing program to get the name out there. And that our first advertising was and continues with Scalemates um, simply for name recognition. Yeah. The third part was marketing the display cases for specific manufacturers, ships, or tanks. You know, we've we'll get to what we're bringing that's new to uh, nationals here in a minute. But one of them, Andy's hobby headquarters with the 16th series of uh, armor that he's been producing. You know, we've got uh, a new case for that, for the Sherman and for the Stug and some of those other things, the Tiger. But by naming the cases, you know, Bill referred to it as the Titanic case. Well, when Trumpeter released that one two hundredth scale Titanic. That that was the kit. It has problems. It has flaws. But immediately you saw um, decking. You saw etch photo etch kits for it, and you saw people embarking on a multi year project to build those. When we decided to market it as a case for the Titanic one two hundredth from Trumpeter. That's when things really started to move. And so we subsequently applied that kind of branding to the other 200 scale models available from Trumpeter, and we've moved it into other things. Then the final thing was um, making the leap with podcasts. Um, you were the first, um, and we liked it so much that we, we chose a couple others, actually at random, I think more than anything else. And I don't want Will Patterson to be mad at me. Um <laughs> But, um, you know, that, that has done a lot. Now, there's, there's probably people that have listened to The Geeks, your podcast, and Plastic Posse, and they're hearing roughly the same story about our company, but they're, they're listening again. And, and so it's, it's really a great opportunity to, to reach people in a medium where, you know, you can just talk like a real person and, um, and, and do this. So, Right now, our strategy is to reinvest in the business. We always are looking for ways of being more efficient, investing in new equipment. We're investing in another laser setup because of the volume. And also, we need redundancy. Our awards business for the clubs, uh, the regional clubs, the, the individual clubs, is um, has picked up quite a bit, and that continues to grow. So it all sort of feeds into one another. And Eventually, we're going to be at a place where doing the bases that have insignia or things like that, it'll probably be a different process. We're not really going to talk about that tonight in terms of detail. But there's only so far that hand painting, even via masking, can go. 
And the problem with those is that there's an infinite number of possibilities because there's an infinite number of air, sea, and land units um, sure. to pick up. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, I think we kind of do a lot of blocking and tackling and we just, we just, we also do an awful lot of listening because the ideas have to come from this, this market. So Dave, I think, you know, this, this whole hobby area, there are a few people that can go and build a business plan and go to their banker and raise uh, startup funding. I think so much of this is just starting with people having a passion and doing sort of a cottage industry. And for some of them, um, it's enough to, to be a, a lifestyle enhancer for others as we've seen sometimes, you know, a lot of the resin guys now are, if they don't have the skills or the motivation to get into 3D printing, they're starting to fade away because their products, there's some excellent ones out there, but there's also a lot of not excellent ones out there. And I know that Mike's got a few in his stash he's talked about, <laughs> but, um, you know, eventually some of that stuff just runs out of steam, just kind of like modelers do, right? You know, that's right. losing the mojo. So I think to the point where we can keep it fun and not be worrying about meeting payroll every week, um, I think I think it's it's a good thing. Um, how big can it get? I, I have no idea. I had some questions around the podcast selection, and you've, you've pretty much answered those, so I'm not going to rehash those. So let's just move on to uh, the big dance here and what we're all anticipating. We're all going to San Marcos, Texas. Uh, we've both got a pretty good drive we're going to have to take. Uh, what uh, what you guys got going on special for San Marcos? I'll cover some non-product things first for us just to get these out of the way. We have donated uh, a case to the raffle. So if you're participating in the raffle, you have an opportunity to, to get one of our um, Astro cases, a fairly large one. Also, in the spirit of, of modeling itself, we, we're a name sponsor of the uh, Plastic Posse group build, the, the Mackay group build. Um, so we're, we're happy to, to be part of that. Opened my eyes to a whole genre of modeling I had no idea about. It's really fascinating. It is. And um, with that, I'm going to stop talking and have Bill, because he's got the list. He knows what we're bringing to <laughs> to the Nats that's new. new. I or do he's have a in list. the process of making it. <laughs> he's already, or it's being made between now and the 31st, yeah. Yeah, time is short, and there's a couple projects that are, that are going to be right down to the wire. But uh, giving you an idea of what we have uh, – there'll be a tremendous amount of figure bases. I would say, honestly, if we put all the figure bases out, it would fill a full table. I have a, a lot of them and a lot of different sized bases. Um, so plenty of figure bases. Another new thing that I came out with last fall, once we got back, are a, a different line of car bases. Uh, the bases all incorporate, a, you know, there's a little spinner on the rims of of uh, Fords and, and Alfa Romeos that in the middle. You can get them re relatively cheap. I've incorporated that spinner into the base. So uh, I think there's five, four or five different ones of those. Turret bases, uh, because there's so many. Right now, I, I just saw, the, of course, the Yamato, the Bruno, and the uh, the USS Iowa, the 
16-inch gun bases. We have one of each of those that we'll have for the contest, and, and that is something new that we've put on the website. Uh, the other thing we have, yeah, we have, we have a Sherman case, Cherry Sherman case, and I am feverishly working on two Tiger cases that I would like to have down there. They're basically a little bit wider. Just they're, I believe they're 24 by 16 by 12 is, is a Tiger case. And I'm hoping that it, that it fits it. I just, uh, like I say, I just made it a little wider. I don't think the silhouette is any taller than a Sherman. I could be wrong, but I just cut the picked up the plexiglass today and cut the sides, and uh, so it's it'll be right down to the last. Polyurethane might be wet on the drive down. So <laughs> the other thing we came up with is uh, World War II carrier deck bases. Oh, uh, nice. I have I have some. Uh, I think two or three. U.S. carrier and probably two or three Japanese carrier deck bases. We just had a gentleman that wanted Marsden mat, and Christian was yep. able to to get a program a, a a file for the the laser to to burn that. So I made a couple of the Marsden mats. I didn't one of them. I tried to color. I'm not sure exactly what they would how well it looks or accurately. So anyway, these will these will be you know for for the for the purchaser to to add to it or not whatever he wants. Um, we have a lot of new painted uh, logo bases uh, from from customers over the over the last year. Usually, when when it, I think it's I think it's a neat base. It's it, you know it's a good subject. I'm making if one for the customer at the same time. I'll make a second one for for inventory. So there should be quite a few of them. We've got uh, two two examples for the one thirty second scale trumpeter devastator. Yes. Yep. I was going to get to those. Yep. The, and okay. the, uh, one is one is the uh, I think it's VT three the yep. with the with the fire breathing dragon and the other one is the I don't know it's something riding a bomb. I think that's VT five. Yeah. But anyway. So we have those. I think are fourteen or fifteen inch bases. So those are more than more than take a, take a devastator. The other thing too, nameplates. I I've talked about this where you know somebody'll come up, well, do you have the USS Minneapolis, you know, and I'll dig through and I well, I'm not sure and I thought, you know, I am going to try to make a a nameplate for every ship that I think has got a a model kit uh, kit of it. <laughs> so honestly, I have I am going to say I've got a thousand nameplates of Japanese World War II, uh, British World War One, Imperial Navy, uh, some modern, all the carriers. I got one three fifty scale carrier nameplates, big ones. We also have a lot of Star Wars. Uh, I have a lot of the Imperial logo uh, that we uh, we laser cut out some plexi and uh, brass nailed it to uh, a red backer board, so it looks awesome. You could put your Put anything imperial on that, and uh, it's going to look awesome. Several mirror bases. That was something else that people wanted. Some circular mirror bases, the Devastator bases, and then uh, a gentleman was asked about doing a Blue Angels base. So uh, anyway, he didn't get back to us in time, and I thought, well, Christian got me the logo, so I did a Blue Angels base, and that really looks awesome. It's really a cool. cool it's a logo. great logo. It's it great. is. 
It's really cool. Yeah. And one last thing, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to let this rabbit out of the hat or not, but we are going to be delivering at Nationals the awards for New Zealand's Nationals. They, They advertised that. That was that was advertised on Facebook. Yeah, I, I just well, like I say, I, yeah. that that what they they posted on their Facebook site that we were doing the awards, and so we're going to deliver their awards to them at uh, nationals, and they're going to do their best to get them in their suitcases and get them home. <laughs> so I I can just imagine the TSA <laughs> agent looking looking at that. <laughs> well, at least it's, at least it's wood. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Weston's going to finish up their main award this weekend. And uh, once we deliver them, we'll we'll put pictures up. But it is going to be awesome. It is really going to be worthy of a of a best of show for for uh, for a nationals, New Zealand or otherwise. Is there a kiwi anywhere on the uh, award? There is not. Oh no! No, there oh, is my. not. The other ones are are real. I, I wouldn't say simple. The other awards, they're they're very happy with. They have special awards. Quick, and they're laser engraved one on the back. The one thing I did on oh, on, yeah. on their best yeah. of show, and I sent it to Weston, is their uh, I laser engraved their national anthem on the back of their of their award. Cool. So Great. I. It's a it's if you ever get a chance, I think it's only eight lines long. Uh, yeah. Look it up. It is it is a very cool, uh, very honorable uh, national anthem. And, and I engraved that on the back of their awards. So uh, I, I, I think they'll really love them. But, yeah, we, uh, we considered a, a Kiwi. But, you know, my guess is those guys have been kiwi to death. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> they probably kick kiwis out of the way on their way to work. So probably, probably yeah. Probably. So we we left that for them to request, <laughs> yeah. um, and and they didn't bring it up. So we did we did not do the kiwi this time. And there's another there's another thing too. What I'm what I'm going to do. There's a gentleman. He we did a base for him. Actually, there's two. They were thinking about at some point getting a a big case from us, a, a Titanic or 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 another case. And I'm going to bring some pieces and parts so that uh, we can demonstrate. You know, because I think some people are kind of freaked out. This might be a little too much to put together. I might have a you know six hundred. $800 pile of wood and plexi here. So anyway, I'll, we'll, uh, we'll show you how they go together, how easy it goes together. We're bringing a, uh, uh, for, for, a, for a gentleman, he bought a, uh, a USS Constitution sailing ship case. And it's a, it's a monster. It's 42 by 39 <laughs> by 16. And we have that boxed up. And he's picking it up there also. So we we just like to to ally your fears on on these big cases that they can be shipped to you. They're they're wonderful. They they arrive safely. They're easy to put together. You can give us a call. Watch the video. They're they're pretty straightforward, and uh, uh, any modeler can put them together. No problem. All right, guys. I think uh, we'll wrap up here, and I want to say 
thank you first for for sponsoring our show and and all the other shows as well that you're sponsoring. We really appreciate it. I'm pleased personally. I'm sure they are too that you've recognized this podcast as a viable viable medium to uh, to advertise your business and and it looks like you're having success. So we're glad to be a part of that and whatever small part we can. We yes, certainly absolutely. look forward. Yep. We certainly look forward to seeing you guys uh, at the sh- on the vendor floor in San Marcos, and maybe we can see you a little bit after hours, maybe. Absolutely, and, uh, sure. Sh- shoot the breeze. and uh, <laughs> Get a VIP st- ticket to the dojo. Uh, okay, sure. And, and by the way, <laughs> I, I, I like to drink beer, too, sometimes. So. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> no. Well, uh, Mike, I wonder if we could just – Give people a little plug as to where we're going to be in the vendor absolutely, room. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. It's real easy. Go to the vendor room that has Edward and just keep walking to the other aisle and you will find us. We are directly across from Edward uh, this year. Well, that'll be convenient. Popular spot. That's going to be the, the vendor <laughs> rooms. All three of them as it's shaping up is going to be uh, quite the affair. So, gentlemen... Yeah. Thank you again for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Texas. You bet. Thanks, Mike and Dave. Thank you. Thank you. Can't wait, You're welcome guys. Thank you very much. We've sure hyped the national convention as much as we can in this episode. And we've still undersold it. I'm telling yeah. everybody who is attending for the first time, no matter how much I have oversold the nationals, I've undersold it. I can agree <laughs> to that because I was in that boat last year. Last year was my first nationals and you, you undersold it. It was amazing. Yeah. That's why I'm going back. Right. That's right. <laughs> and TJ in Las Vegas. Yeah. TJ in Las Vegas was, I mean, him, he was walking around with his eyes just wide open. Look, look forward to seeing all those guys. I do too. Well, we've got a little time and, uh, I don't know why this one came through through my head again, but, uh, we've never really talked in much depth about 3d printing. Now I'm not going to, we're not going to get into the technical aspects of the CAD design and, and the, the slicer programs and, and all that, but uh, just kind of a, a state of the art look at 3d printing in our hobby right now, because things are starting to move as far as what all's out there. It's starting to impact some show rules and, and things like that. So what do you think? We got some opinions here, maybe. I think you have to separate it into two distinct things. Aftermarket items, in other words, things that you add to a plastic kit to enhance the kit, and 3D printed kits themselves, either single piece prints, you know, more akin to like a miniature's bust, or a multi piece kit. That you pr- that is printed and then you assemble and paint much like a traditional plastic kit. Well, I actually want to back up a little bit further than that, and I've okay. kind of split this into three kind of main topic areas. And the the first one is just the general acceptance of this technology and methodology in our hobby, and where that's come from and where it's going, and, and the reason. Excuse me. The reason I, I make this one first is because uh, it was a listener mail we got after the IPMS Nationals in Las Vegas, so 2021. Now I'm not going to get into who sent me this and all that. It's it's because it was their them expressing their opinions toward me or to me, and uh, 
I'm just going to use it as a, as a topic or point of conversation. Um, at that show, uh, the best space was a fairly large scale lunar landing module from the Apollo missions. Right. That was a 3D printed model. Yeah. Really nice. Now, I don't have the information as to how many parts it was, but it certainly wasn't one. Right. Or where the model actually came from in terms of uh, CAD design. The author of this email was fairly adamant saying that it was not a model, that it was a display. Right. And I do think that that person, the person who wrote in, assumed that it was a one-piece print which I think is was an error, although I don't know that for sure. Well, that's what I get. I think some of this pushback is, from this technology is, is a lot of it's rooted in some misunderstandings as to what it actually is. I mean, some of these kits are very simplistic. Yes. Uh, very few parts. Some of the models are even one part, but, uh, you know, the, the guys at scale model podcast talked about this in one of their recent episodes. And uh, I think that's how this got started because I replied to Stuart Clark, uh, with some comments saying, uh, you know, these things are all scale models. A one piece is not a kit. A, A kit by definition has plurality of components. So it's not, it's not a kit unless it came with the paint maybe. (laughs) <laughs> right. But it's still a scale model. And that's kind of the, the end of our, you know, the end goal of our endeavor here is to build scale models, uh, create scale models. So yeah, it's still a scale model. Now, back to this email, uh, at, at what point, I guess, was, uh, I, I could never understand the, the, it's not a model. Well, it's certainly a model. It might not be a kit, but it's a model. It's a scale model. It's a smaller representation of something in real life or, or something even in, in fiction that's a lot bigger than it's being represented there on the show table. Um, I, I think uh, some models, some of them are very complex as far as part count goes. As, as much as a plastic kit or you know some of the more complex uh, traditionally cast resin kits out there, I think uh, they run the gamut. They, there's an entire spectrum from from a one part model up to a kit that's got, you know, maybe a thousand parts is probably out there. And and I think that we're still in the phase where there's not complete and maybe, okay, this was back in 2021 and here we are in 2023. I think that the understanding of what 3d printing is and what 3d kits and 3d accessories look like and how they're manufactured. I think that's, gotten a lot wider because i remember um you know we saw this not to the same extent but we saw this when resin aftermarket and aluminum barrels came out it's it was a minority attitude but it was there was the that's cheating attitude right that 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 that's taking a shortcut that you're you're doing something that not didn't used to be done and therefore that's not right. Whereas, you know, this hobby is like any other, it's evolving. What was what you had to scratch build five years ago or 10 years ago, you don't have to do that anymore. And in fact, even the concept of scratch building, you know, if you've got a 3D printer available and you're good at CAD, you might be able to scratch build something 
with sheet plastic and, and brass and whatever, or you go into the CAD, you model it up, and then you print it on a 3D printer. So they're just different. They're different techniques. What do you think, Evan? Well, it's definitely a different skill set, but you say, you know, you just have to be good at CAD and design it and print it. Well, you know, to some people, that's even more difficult than scratch building, like, you know, with styrene and stuff. You have to actually have the skill and learn the software and then also learn the whole printing process as well. It's, It's an intensive process so long as you're not just buying something online and I mean, even in that case, you know, you might print a figure in one piece, but there's one piece resin fingers you can buy already and such. I definitely think that it's 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 a skill set you need to be able to make use of 3D printing, especially for designing your own stuff, because it's complicated. It's it's not just you click a couple of buttons and your part comes out or your whole model comes out in one piece. There's a reason why I've got a 3D printer and I've already I already have the skill to use CAD and I still have not even started <laughs> trying to because it, it's going to take me months to actually be able to get to that point where I'm where, where it's worthwhile. And right now I'm just, you know, busy with other projects. So it's not really something I want to get into. Yeah. And see, I think that is true that there's just because, because of the fact the newness of it all, and it's not really new. I mean, you go back, this has been going on for quite a while, but at least our hobby, it's, relatively new that there's just not ever somebody there are plenty of people who think exactly that evan that you just go push a button on your computer and magically you get this item and that that's the first further furthest furthest thing from the truth even if you're buying the original cad renders from a third party yeah, I mean, there's certainly cleanup, and depending on the quality of the the model, the CAD model, and the the quality of the hardware you're printing it on, there's a lot of nuance there. And my opinions on this, as far as are they equal or are they comparable to organic scratch built models, um, I'm all over the place. It's hard. To, it's hard to say it's comparable, but it's it's its own it's its own thing, right? Yeah, my opinion is in flux for sure, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe the convention we can see what other people think about it uh i mean i've got a 3d printer i don't use it to the extent some of these other folks are using it i use it as a tool um every everything on my bench right now has something i've printed on this thing but it's not some highly detailed awe-inspiring cad modeling it's some pretty basic stuff that i used it for a shortcut to uh get some parts quick and it's just kind of a tool that's the way i use it and i, I don't know this we also who are we talking to as Chris Wallace, model airplane plane maker, was giving us a kind of a an overview of their 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 club's rules changes or rules expansion for inclusion for three D printed stuff and how to incorporate that and you know it's was, it was pretty good first pass. I don't remember exactly what they were doing, but uh, seemed pretty reasonable to me what they were doing. It'll still evolve more. It's certainly here to stay. Is it going to destroy plastic modeling as we know it? You know, no. I, I, I guess the as we know it part. Is a little nuanced, but uh, no, there's going to be plastic kits for the foreseeable future. I mean, well, come on, half the fun is going to the hobby store and looking at everything stacked up on the shelves. <laughs> you can't do that if you're printing at home. That's true. Wait a minute. Are, are you suggesting that sitting in front of the computer and leafing through CAD files is not as exciting? No. 
Categorically, no. It's not even as much fun as searching uh, Hannett's or uh, some of the other big web stores, Scalemates or the modeling news. There you go. Well, another part of this is is kind of because of the glut of things we're seeing is just the, the quality spectrum of this stuff. And uh, Evan, I know you've got like a bazillion different sets of 3D printed tracks from the maker du jour. Yes. And they just keep coming. Have you abandoned that yet? <laughs> um, well, since the last video, I only have acquired one additional set of tracks. Uh, but I've acquired lots of other bits and bobs. Like, for example, my, my scalemates, I actually use scalemates a lot now because you can put a stash on there and keep track of all your items, which helps me remember what aftermarket I have for what project. I have like 500 items, but, you know, 100 of those are actually kits. The rest are all, oh, here's a 3D printed antenna base for a British whatever vehicle. And here's one for a German. Like I have, I have a lot of little bits and bobs that I've bought for, you know, pennies sometimes over the past years. And yeah, there is definitely a wide range of quality. Um, I can talk a little bit about some of my experiences there for sure with some of the brands if you want. Sure. Uh, so Absolutely. Some of the best, like uh, a lot of stuff I, I look for is details like tool clamps, basically things that would generally be done with photo etch. So th- details that generally look too chunky and plastic. I like to replace those with 3D printed parts because it's fairly straightforward and it makes the model look you know, more in scale. And it's also easier than photo etch. And especially sometimes photo etch is almost too thin. Uh, Dave, you talked about this before, where sometimes you have to kind of fold some box together from photo etch, and it looks worse than the plastic part did in the end. Yeah, yeah. Or it's not, or it's too thin because it's it's brass, you know, sheet, and it really should be a little bit thicker than that in real life. So I find uh, resin details are three D printed resin details are excellent for this area, and so yeah, tool clamps for sure. I've got a whole bunch of sets, and honestly, the best one I have is, I think maybe the original or the the first one that kind of was all over the place which is MJ miniatures their tool clamps are the best all the other ones i have which is like you know the T-Rex tool clamps the uh, FC model trend Russian model they're all i think the issue is they are 100% to scale but the tools in the kits are slightly overscale so they don't actually fit the MJ miniatures ones are the perfect size where you can actually put the, like, you, you know, you sand off the horrible plastic tool clamp blob on your shovel and you can slide the, the shaft or the handle into that tool clamp and it looks perfect. It looks like the real thing when a lot of the other ones, they seem to be too small. And also the FC model trend, uh, their stuff is always terrible quality. I'm not sure how for years they have managed. Uh, this is the opinion of myself, not the opinion of the plastic uh, model mojo podcast but fc model trend 3d prints are completely like covered in layer lines and they're god awful i don't know why I, I, I keep buying sets for them to see if they improve but it's just every time it's like you've been doing this for years why is it always so bad you're going back to the abusive girlfriend thinking that this time she's i'll be better to you this time yeah <laughs> Yeah, some of this, some of the stuff, I, I'm surprised. It's like they're still printing on a, like a 2K printer or something, which, for a company that's selling stuff, is a little bit. It's just 
way behind the bar now, I guess. Well, it makes you wonder how big some of these outfits even are, really. Yeah, well, I mean, FC Model Trends, one of the ones you keep seeing all over Facebook, you know. Well, that means it's just not some guy in his spare room, though. You know, you just you, you really never know. Well, one of the sets I've got recently is Demon Barber Design and his stuff. And he's he is just a guy. Like, he's got a small, he's just printing them himself. He's got a website and he sells them. It's some of the best stuff I've seen. He's got tracks. He's got T thirty four like uh, the 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 vents on the engine deck sides. You know those like grills basically. The ex- like the exhausts are super thin and those they look like they're as they are in real life, which I guess is bent rod for those grills. It it looks better than photo etch, and it's one piece. It's got the weld already printed into that exhaust tube when it's bent and it's super thin. It's like. This is top of the line. It's just some guy doing it, but he's really, really good. And his tracks are also excellent. And then you've got actual companies that don't seem to have the passion to make good quality products. I think the general experience, though, is that the stuff is getting better and better. Absolutely. Every six months, it seems like there's, you know, it's back like, you know, how processors used to double in power every 18 months. Yeah. It's like... Every six or twelve or eighteen months, you're getting another another level of quality out of these three D printing companies doing things that some of these tracks are just some of them are just flat amazing now. Oh, absolutely! I, I, I'm at the opinion now where three D printed tracks are better than metal tracks because they are more filigree. I guess is the term. Yeah. They are crisper. Yep. Uh, the cast metal tracks, well, they have their own benefit. They have the weight, and you could blacken them with chemical fluids. They just, they're a little bit chunky, you know. These 3D printed tracks, they look perfect. They have the cast marks, like, you know, the little maker mark, the factory codes, everything on there. It is it is a, amazing, and the good brands I've talked about in my videos, they go together faster than Freel Model or uh, Master Club because... You don't have to, you don't, you don't end up with the crappy ones where the pins aren't, like the holes aren't drilled through and stuff. They're, you just put the pins in each time and they click in place, no glue. It's like, it's just so much fun, basically. There's no stress at all. And clearly that's got to have been one of the things that contributed to, to Fruel now closing down. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. <laughs> but I, I would say that, yes, uh, the competition from 3D printed tracks is probably part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, the Master Club, you're going to be hard-pressed to get right now. Exactly. So, good thing some of the 3D printed tracks are, are worthwhile. I know the ones I got from Tankcraft were, were excellent. You're just going to have to revisit the finishing techniques on those because you can't blacken them with the fluids anymore. So, uh, there's a time when we didn't have metal tracks. <laughs> so, at least for me. I don't know about you, Evan. <laughs> I'm sure when they were first introduced, they were considered cheating, right? Oh, pro- yes. I, I I guarantee you there were people when they were first introduced who were complaining about people using them. Uh, no, I think the bigger complaint was that when they first came out was just the, the price was. Well, yeah, there was all. Well, modelers will, will complain about prices till the cows come home. and But pay it anyway. Yeah, but pay it anyway. They'll they'll stay in the six six in the room to the motel six in order to spend sixty dollars <laughs> on a sheet of photo etch that'll go into their stash. I'm anxious to see what's going to be available. I'm curious what uh, Mr. Vargas is going to have for us as a surprise. Um, 
I don't follow his news too much unless one of his kits gets posted to either Scalemates or uh, over on Armorama or something like that. So uh, just going to be surprised. And then who knows? Maybe there's going to be somebody there selling something uh, that's completely new. And see, that's the thing I would I would I would probably bet on if you're asking me to place a a bet about something about the Nationals. It would be that the there will be one or more vendors who have one or more 3D products from new companies that are new items that are a generational shift in 3D printing and they'll they'll sell like hotcakes. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. Any more on quality? It just keeps getting better. <laughs> and probably the they're going to separate the wheat from the chaff too. The yes, there's going to be are, a, folks who aren't going to invest in new equipment are going to going to go falling by the wayside. Oh yeah. Well, the, kind of the last area I want to touch on, um, and this gets back to uh, again, I'm not going to put any names here because. Uh, this is someone I'd consider as a, as a show guest and I'd actually bought something from, and then I started thinking about what they were doing. Um, a very popular sci-fi franchise owned by Disney. <laughs> this, I was interested because, uh, some of this guy's work was on the cover of the kind of the Euro diorama mm-hmm. magazine. Right. You know, big glossy a four format front to back, all color. One of those guys, you know, $20 magazine. Yep. So I started looking and, 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 uh, I'm not bringing it up to, to disparage anyone. I, I'm just, it's, it was a, a concern why I kind of didn't pursue that any further was, uh, some, some things like that genre have some pretty serious IP implications. They do. And, you know, I don't want to get anybody in trouble cause I didn't know, I guess I could have asked, but, uh. Um, my gut feel was that maybe they were freelancing some of this stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I have my suspicions, but I don't know. And, and when at Wonderfest, we talked about it a little bit and I don't know that I've ever seen it. Maybe you have, but, uh, there have been years that that's been policed at that show. Yes. In, in fact, I have a personal story about that. Well, let's hear uh, that. That's relevant. One, one individual at Wonderfest was selling resin cast logos of a very famous flying mouse-like vigilante (laughs) character, uh, their logo and selling them at a table on the, on the, uh, at the show. And I know for a fact that that person three months later got a letter from the attorneys for, at the time, I think Warner Brothers owned the franchise. Uh, basically a cease and desist and do you want to make a deal before we sue you type type letter. And uh, yeah, the, uh, and, and speaking of Disney, uh, if you want to talk about somebody who protects their IP jealously, Disney does. And I... I think you are going to see as as this technology develops and people start doing things from IP owned by somebody else. Of course, you can always legally do that I, that thing for yourself. There is no problem with you taking a Star Wars item 
modeling it up in 3D software, printing it, and build a painting it and ha- having it for yourself. There, there's never an issue with that. The issue becomes when they either do this and a friend says, hey, will you send me that file? Or they go out on one of these file sharing services. And I guarantee you that Disney and the other IP owners, Marvel, uh, you know, whoever, are out there and they are policing that. And they've got bots crawling the internet searching for possible infringements. And um, it's that as this technology explodes, the IP issues are going to explode as well because lawyers are always going to show up where there's money involved or money to be made. You'd know. Yes, I would. (laughs) (laughs) He's rubbing his hands over there waiting. Damn damn (laughs) lawyers. Damn lawyers. Well, guys, anything else? Uh, brief conversation, just kind of what we're thinking about 3D printing. Uh, I just can't wait to see what develops in 3D printing because I do think it is the new, it is what resin casting was 30 years ago. Mike, you were around in the 80s. God, I guess that's 40 years ago. Uh, yeah, I wasn't around in the 80s. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate you rubbing <laughs> that in. You remember what it was like when Verlinden really hit the modeling scene in the late 80s, early 90s. And all of these resin figures and diorama accessories, and it just, it exploded the the modeling universe, particularly dioramas. Dioramas used to be few and far between. And they weren't, uh, you know, they were uh, all scratch built, very uh, uh, specialized. So it wasn't a huge category. And then once Verlinden came in with all the resin accessories, all the buildings, all the stuff like that, the diorama categories just went crazy. Oh, yeah. And, And I think that resin printing is going to have that same effect and not just diorama categories, but I think you're going to see that effect on all categories with things opened up and things uh, displayed and new ways to display stuff because of all this 3D printed accessories. I'm just waiting for the plastic model mojo 3D printed milepost marker to be the next Verlinden Buddha and be on every single diorama on the That's table right. there. <laughs> now I got I need to print up a mess of those to take to Nats. That's the one yes, thing you, I do need to do. Yes, you do. Make yourself a note. I might I might put it with the panhard when I make a diorama for that in the future. <laughs> I, well, not only did I do I have it, I painted and weathered mine. Mine's a, That's true. I can't my, Jim says I can't count that as a completed kit, but it's not a kid. That's, it's that's not what a kid. The miscellaneous it's a categories for. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to put it on a very <laughs> tiny plinth and just put it there and enter it in the miscellaneous category. Yeah, we'll we'll end this here. Okay. We're here at the end of the episode, and I assume that means everybody has finished their modeling fluid. 
I'm not that quite done. True. Well, I've finished mine. Evan, how did your how did your uh, tequila fizzy cocktaily thing turn out? It's, okay, it's not it's not that fizzy. It's <laughs> ranch water. Hey, I called. didn't call it. I didn't call it girly. <laughs> That's what you were implying. Though. Yeah, well, <laughs> not that I would deny that too much. Um, it, it it was great. I've had it before. It. The, the, the tequila note reminds me, you know, when you get to that margarita and the last sip is like, whoo, you know, it's not, it's not that bad, but it has a little bit of that note, uh, the tequila note that I like, and uh, it goes well with the lime. Nice and refreshing. It's a bit warm in my studio here with these lights right now. So a good beverage for this night. So Mike, how about yours? Uh, Evan won't get this one, but to quote Keith Jackson, uh, whoa, Nelly. <laughs> I got that one. So uh, I, t- I tell you, this is, uh, it's very interesting. I probably should have had it a little bit colder. I think I'd enjoy it a little bit more. Um, it's good. Yes. It's really good. It's got a really front forward citrus thing and it's somewhere yes. between like grapefruit and like tangerines. Mm-hmm. It's a little sweeter than grapefruit. This thing reminds me, to be honest, is a, of a sour. Oh really? See, I a didn't little, get the, a little get bit. The, I didn't get that quite off of it. Now I was probably having. It's it just colder. because it's so tart from the citrus side. I poured it in a, a glass just because I wanted to see it. I mean, this stuff is opaque. Yes, uh, it's kind of a straw color. It reminds me of some orange juice I got in East Berlin when I was there. <laughs> and it's got some. Uh, let's just say it's unfiltered. We'll put it that yes. way. Yep. Definitely unfiltered. You could probably feel those go by your teeth. The last. Yep. Sip. It's a bit hazy. Hazy. Uh, hey, that's an understatement. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, you cannot see through it at all. <laughs> but it's good, so thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad he gave us this. Didn't he say this was his all? His, was his favorite? I don't know if he or, said or it from was his, his private stash. I think it was his from his private stash, and I think he likes the brewery. I don't know if he said that was his favorite that they make. And I think I think it's something that they don't make all the time. Yeah, I think that was it. He was out. He gave us his last two. I think he told us. Yeah, or, or two of his last three. Yeah. Well, I can't find an ABV on the can, but it's a double IPA, so it's probably. I I looked it up. I'll I'll post it in the show notes. Well, what you got? How's yours? The Cider Boys Peach Country Apple Peach Hard Cider. Um, it's good. It's light. You can taste the peach, but it is a hard apple cider. Uh, Evan, I will save one of these for you, and we will haul it with us to San Marcos. It's good. It's very enjoyable, very light. Like Evan said, it's something that you could see yourself drinking. Well, in fact, I did drink one of these while I was mowing the yard and listening to On the Bench uh, the other day. And it's it's that kind of refreshing alcoholic beverage. So I enjoyed it. Mike, uh, almost time to go here, but we got to have some shout outs uh, before we go. Well, has Evan got any? Evan, you got a shout out? My good friend Bruce Wurl will be, of course, coming down to Nats with us. He's been plowing through that Panzer IV he started a couple of days ago, and it looks like he's going to have it done. That's going to be one hell of a speed build for sure. So look forward to uh, to seeing that if he gets it done, meeting him in Nats, of course. And he's also going to give me a ride home, which I appreciate as well. Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'd like to shout out uh, the folks who've taken upon themselves to uh, support Classic Model Mojo through their generosity. Our latest are uh, Roger Newman from Australia and our good friend Derek Post. They've chosen to support the show through Patreon. You can do the same by going to www.patreon.com slash Plastic Model Mojo. And there you can do a recurring contribution from any amount from a dollar on up. And uh, Patreon will handle the billing there. If you'd like to do a one-time contribution or manage your own recurring contribution, you can go to www.plasticmodelmojo.com. And in the upper right-hand corner of the website, there's a heart icon that will take you directly to our PayPal link where you can take care of that any amount and any frequency you want. So, uh We've had a few Patreons come through this week, and we really appreciate it, guys. Uh, I got some ideas, and uh, if any of these come to fruition, well, I'll, everything helps. But uh, we're getting getting to where uh, maybe we can try some new things, and yeah. it's, uh, we appreciate the support. Well, uh, my shout out, and this one, this one's going to be a little inside the tent. But my shout out is to one Evan McCallum for taking it upon himself to fly to Louisville and then drive with us 15 and a half hours to San Marcos. Um, I'm telling you, Evan, that's uh, not something everybody would do. Uh, I'm really looking forward to you coming and doing it. And I know Mike is as well. I think it's going to make our trip down Oh, just another level of enjoyable. Mike and I, when we drive to nationals like we did to Omaha last year, we have a great time in the car. We're doing all, you know, we're shooting ideas, talking. Uh, you never know where the conversation goes. And I am looking forward to having you along and spending 15 and a half hours picking your brain. That's if I'm awake for any of it. <laughs> well, we'll make sure you're awake. You'll be Part too. Of. You'll be too afraid to sleep. <laughs> we'll, we'll take you to Bucky's. There you go. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> All right, guys. As we always say, so many kids, so little time. Dave, Evan, thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you in a few days. See you on the way. Home.